Polaris. It's stars in the sky. No, it's not. It's missiles. Oh my gosh. It's the Coco Show 21. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Coco Show. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Polaris. Ooh. Now, Aaron, um, would you consider yourself to be a somewhat uh, capable amateur astronomer? No, but I would not. I would not consider myself that. I have done some star watching in the past, but mm -hmm. I don't. I, I only have a vague recollection of what's what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you? Uh, when was the last time you'd think you went stargazing? You know, we used to go to a place in Kentucky. It was called uh, I believe it was called High Bridge. Uh, was it was and it's exactly what it was. It was a bridge, but the funny thing is, it was a uh, it was an abandoned two lane concrete bridge that went over this like chasm. Oh right? wow! And so it's funny because it was it wasn't that far from uh, a main proper road. I don't know why it was shut down, uh, but we would go there and we would. Uh, it, it was out in the middle of the sticks, and you could go there and kind of get your telescope out and look at the stuff. I think most of my friends went as an excuse to get drunk. Mm -hmm. uh, but there were a couple of us that actually were sort of remotely interested in the, uh, you know, the uh, everlasting grandeur of the universe. And we would have a look up in between sure. swigs. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, the, the mixture of alcohol and stargazing is kind of a match made in heaven. As long as you're not because, writing anything down, I think you're yeah, okay. Yeah, because, uh, you know, you're looking up at the sky, you're contemplating the ineffable, as it were. Yeah. And there, nothing aids the contemplation of the ineffable, like a few swigs of Jack. If you know what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, you don't want to contemplate the inevitable like straight in the yeah. head because <laughs> then, then you go insane. That's that, then it's yeah, a that's what like, you like feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I you know, stargazing is something that I always read about doing. I used to have a book when I was a kid, and it was like the Stargazer's Guide, and it told you about all the different materials that you need to have. Uh, the the idea of of like taking a you know going out bringing some warm clothes, a thermos for, full of hot chocolate, and looking up at the sky. In my mind, that seems cool. But in reality, I think after five minutes, I'd be bored out of my mind. And yeah, so. that's the problem. Now, listen, uh, of course, when I was going up there, as I mentioned, you got the booze. You got some yeah. good-looking chicks with you. Yeah. They were hanging. And uh, so that made it a lot more fun. But yeah, just walking, staggering out into the night and uh, with a telescope at 2 a.m., you know, and it's cold, it's dark possibly damp mm -hmm. it's not my idea of a good time however I, if you're really into the stars you know whatever you like yeah yeah well aaron speaking of being really into the stars one of the shining stars of the coco library undoubtedly maybe is polaris i want to tell you. us a little bit about this game aaron <laughs> you know this may come as a shock to some of the listeners here uh, but the game Polaris uh, for the Coco is not entirely original, uh, but, if I may say. Stalking. Uh, believe it or not, this was uh, based on a an Atari arcade game, very famous game, called Missile Command. Boat. Mm. Have you played this in the arcade? Oh, yes. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I, I, I've played it in the arcade, and then I've also played the arcade machine in someone's home. So I've done it both, both yeah. ways. Yeah, ditto, ditto. So... Uh, if you haven't played Missile Command, a great game. Yes. Uh, where you uh, control a a, a land-based strategic missile defense system, and you're uh, you're basically trying to pick off incoming missiles and smart bombs and and bombers before they uh, pick off your cities. 
effectively your the last line of defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game was played with a track ball and was just uh, um, when this came out in the arcade. Wow. Uh, what a revelation. I, really, I don't know if I'd ever even played a trackball game before I played this one. I uh, mean, there there were trackball games right. be- before this, but I think that this was really the first game, the first massive success in the trackball genre. Yeah, this is the one that I always think of uh, when you when it's when it's time to play trackball games. This is one of the first ones that come to mind. It'd be this, the like Marble Madness. Be Centipede, second. that's another, Centipede, another big yeah. one. Yeah, but I mean, I, I prefer this to Centipede because there's... Part of this game uh, was the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this came, uh, uh, Mystical Man came out in, in the arcades, hit the streets in America in July of 1980, the hot summer of 80, right? So it just got in there, and we were right in the middle of the Cold War, the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about it, I know you were probably I was not yet on this earth yet yeah. in 1980. Uh, so. But in, in, in the summer of 80, that whole time frame right there, you had uh, uh, all kinds of craziness going on. I believe uh, that that was the year that the U.S. actually didn't participate in the Olympics. I think that was the year it was in Moscow. That's and, right. And, and of course, the Russians, the they're, yeah. they're turned to favor in 84. Right. Of course, that cleared the path for America's sweetheart, West Virginia's own Mary Lou Retton, to take oh, the yeah. gold. But I digress. <laughs> but when this game came out, this stuff was on everybody's mind, is what I'm saying, Boat. Scary. Mm-hmm. It could happen, you know. In fact, when this game ends... This is the first game I saw that when you lose all your cities, it just says the end. Right. In big letters. <laughs> Apropos, Boat. And so, as you can imagine, a game like Missile Command got ported to every conceivable machine. Well, guess what? No one's porting Missile Command to the Coco, stupidly. And so, thankfully, we have the innovative uh, geniuses. Uh, that are great at kind of horking other people's gimmicks and making them their own. And they decided it was time to bring a Miss Command style game to the PC or to the Tandy. And what we got here was, in fact, Polaris. Uh, Polaris came out just one year later, uh, Boat, than in 81. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this game, you are controlling three submarines. Now, listen, uh, submarine based missile weapons, not an unknown thing. Boat. Right. Right. Polaris I mean, missile, in, in, fact. in a way. This is just as accurate as the arcade original. It is. And, and you know, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of Missile Command clones and Missile Command ports were put out, okay? Mm-hmm. But the one key element that they all lacked was that trackball, yeah. right? And, I, I mean, now, later on, you when you, if you had, like, the 5200 whatnot where they had a proper trackball come out, then you could get something cooking. But at this point, you had nothing. And so, what would you do? Well, you know, if you're playing on the Atari, uh, you would use your joystick, right? And the and the Coco was no different, with one basic uh, major uh, advantage. And this is one of the few games, boat, where the Black Beauties hone into view. This gorgeous mm-hmm. little device right here uh, that I hold in my hand, if you're watching at home, uh, is an analog, straight up analog stick. And it, I find that when it comes to a game like Polaris, this is the best way to play the short of having an actual trackball. And it gives uh, Polaris an, a, a sort of a leg up on the competition just right out the gate. Uh, the ability to an- use analog controls to control your uh, missile cursor around the screen. Um, in Polaris, you again, we mentioned that you are, you are defending your islands with submarines. Uh, which is basically exactly the same as Miss Command, but uh, your subs. 
Now, the uh, uh, we mentioned the analog stick, but you've got another advantage on the Coco that, I mean, literally no other consoles got, and that's the ability to independently fire from your different subs. Right. In the, in the arcade, you had different launch buttons for all three of your launch sites. This is a huge deal uh, because it provides you uh, uh, options when it comes to shooting your various missiles up because you're going to want to shoot at missiles that are closest to the missile range that you're firing from. Yeah, this is this is where the strategy in this game comes from, which is why so many of the home ports are disappointing. Yes. Because not only do you have to fire, you know, you want to fire your missiles from the closest silo that where the missiles are coming down, but you also have to strategically track how many missiles each silo has in its stockpile which adds to the strategy as well. Uh, and so, like, I, this is, this, I, you know, I went and I, I, I replayed the Atari 8-bit port of Missile Command in preparation for this show. In this version, uh, just because of that one reason, well, also because the analog stick that's found on the on the Coco, you're, you're dead on, by the way. Yeah. This is the first time I was ever, I ever took the self-centering mechanism off the deluxe joystick. Yes. Um, this, Aren't this, you this, happy you had that thing? Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. So uh, those two things really put this head and shoulders above the, the competition out there. Um, you know, one of the, I think on the, on the Coco, it's the, uh, it's the period, it's the comma, the period and the slash key. I think there's two different options, but that's what I used. I used my, I use, my left yeah, hand there are to control two. the stick. And then I use those three buttons to control the silos. And I really, it's the first time that I've played a home port of Missile Command that made me feel, that gave me the same feeling as playing in the arcade. Of course, the arcade version, are the the buttons for your your missile launchers are not just normal arcade buttons. They're these volcano-shaped uh, yeah. convex buttons that are super high and they're lit up with LEDs on the end. They're Man, cool. they look cool. That whole, um, that whole machine looks awesome. There's yeah, no doubt about yeah. that. But in terms of, you know, bringing that experience home, yeah, having those three different subs being able to launch the different stacks of missiles and watching making sure that you're you're keeping it up in stock that really it ramped up the intensity and it ramped up the fun yeah and i will admit uh or i will say that the uh there are two sets of keys you can use to control the missiles the other the ones it's funny because you play exactly the opposite of me hmm. i used my right hand with the controller and use the Z, X, and C buttons to fire oh, okay. independently from the. Missiles. I believe that that's. I think that that's more accurate to the arcade version because I think that the, on the, the 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 three buttons are on the left side of the trackball on the arcade version. Yeah, well, listen. I thought the good thing is if you depending on your handedness, you're covered mm -hmm. either way. Yeah. Of course, this game also supports uh, two player hot seat mm. uh, action. So you could also have you and your buddy uh, both on the keyboard. Now, again, it is hot seat. It would have been awesome to have like simultaneous, wouldn't it, both? That'd yeah, be really, yeah, that'd be a real be treat. Now, when this game meanders to a beginning, you think to yourself, man, the Coco is really looking slow here. I, when <laughs> I first, because I played this years and years ago. And when I first fired it up back in the day, uh, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was, not that impressed to be honest with you and i and a part of the reason is it took me a long time a longer than i care to admit that i it took me a long time to figure out you could fire from all three subs as a kid mm -hmm. and i remember being irritated by that you know because i had to use the keyboard now as an adult i've got a little more of appreciation for it but when this game starts up the missiles just sort of uh slowly meandered down the stream they take their time and it makes you feel like that the Coco is so slow, you know. And I thought to myself, my God, 
this did not age well. You know, this is really slow. And it's it, it meanders along for a couple levels, you know. And then all of a sudden, you start to see it. And mm-hmm. you, what you start to see is the Coco's screwing with you. It can actually crank these missiles down the screen at an alarming rate. Well, you know, I don't think it's screwing with you. I think it's actually attempting to provide you with somewhat of a learning curve. Right, right. Um, but, I mean, you, you got to admit, the, when it first came on, you had to, in the back of your head, you thought to yourself, man, these missiles are really slow. Well, I, I was enjoying it. Because let me tell you, I'm no great shakes at Missile Command because it does not start you out nice and easy. It starts out pretty intense if you play the arcade version. And so I was enjoying the fact, and I was like, you know what? But if it had continued to be that slow and you could just sort of play forever but it wasn't long i think it took about five stages in before it really started to getting probably what would be the same as the you know the second or third level of the arcade machine yeah uh you your the missiles the shots you have on each sub are identified on the sub which is nice Mm -hmm. just like in the arcade and also uh when the missiles and uh smart bombs come down the screen they will also not just target your islands they will target your subs and so if you have a sub that's fully stocked with ammo that gets hit, it's out of commission and it's no longer a viable shooting option. Again, just like the arcade. When they put this game together, they knew what they were doing uh, because the uh, uh, everything pretty much sets right in with the arcade. Even the scoring mechanism, it counts the number of warheads you've got left that adds that and adds that bonus into your score, which is also what the arcade uh, does. Uh, you will get to a point in the game where you will encounter... Smart bombs. Mm-hmm. Now, these smart bombs in the arcade are particularly vile uh, because they are very smart, and they'll they'll stop in midair, hesitate, go left and right. And I was pleasantly surprised to see that the Coco smart bombs are just as smart. These things are nasty, aren't they, Bode? They are. They are. They are beatable. Which yeah. I mean, it's it's not like the Condor in Joust or whatever, where it's almost impossible, or the Dragon. Uh, you can blow these things up, but you really have to be strategic with your bombs, or just carpet bomb an area, which wastes a bunch of your missiles right. and screws you over. So, I, I want to ask you about the scoring, the scoring section of the screen up at the top. This right. reminds me of something straight out of the Odyssey too. It does, doesn't it? I had the exact same thought. It's what big, are your thoughts bold on that thing? Scoring. I think it's okay. Uh, uh, it does. It does the point to which side's turn it is when you play with two players, uh, and I think it's. A, I don't have a problem with the scoring. I mean, I don't. It, it's. It's. It's the. It, it's easy to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. It's not fancy. That's for sure. Um, it also after your round, it gives you all your statistics. It's nice. Something else this does at the arcade, which I think is great, is uh, occasionally you will earn a new island just as you earn a new city in the arcade. And in the arcade, when you earn a new city, it basically makes this random noise, right? It goes, it's just like, it sounds like the Atari, the the arcade board, it's just randomly playing noise, right? (laughs) The Coco version plays that same random noise whenever you get a new island. So they even even managed to copy that Mm -hmm. uh, down. I should also mention that after every couple levels, uh, the whole screen palette changes. I like right. this boat. Uh, this gives you it just gives you a different look. It, it, so, it's very. I mean, obviously, this is the first thing that I think about when I see this is the old Atari twenty six hundred because the twenty six hundred was the master of, of changing the palette to yeah. change it up. Uh, but you know, it does it breaks up the action. 
uh, well, it doesn't really break up the action, but it, it breaks up the monotony of having, you know, it, this game would have been awful if it would have been the old green screen, you know, the whole game. You get this, it was cycling through the colors. Uh, some of them look neat. You know, some of them, when you reach a new stage, even though you know it's coming, you're like, oh, this is this is kind of cool. So yeah, I was a big fan of that too. I will say Curtis, uh, L. Curtis Boyle, our good buddy, mentions on his site that, it, that this game uh, cycles through the entire eight-color palette of the Coco 1 and 2. Mm. So when you're playing this, every two levels, you get a new color. And you're right, it does it does break it up. It makes it a, lo- it makes it a little bit different. Uh, and so I, I highly approve of that. Um, this game, it's funny. I looked this up on eBay, Boat, to see what I was going for. Because I was wondering, I didn't think it was that rare. This, was, this game was a staple of of uh radio shack back in the day i would say this was one of the i would say one of the uh, premier games mm. that i would see in the store mm-hmm. and i was surprised that i think these things are maybe are sort of not that often found in box anymore now we've discussed the in box portion of this which is so right. generic box. i saw a dude selling one for th- trying to get 319 bucks out of one of these and I thought to myself, how strange. That is strange. I, I, have you ever seen uh, anybody hawking um, sort of reproduction cocoa boxes? Because I they have. literally are just a generic thing. Have you? In fact, you can even print them, I mm. believe, if I'm mistaken. Now, I wanted, before we moved on, down the line, I wanted to mention a couple things about this game that I thought was odd. Okay. <clears throat> this game was, of course, published by Tandy, but it, and it was on cartridge, but it was developed by an outfit called Device Oriented Games. All right. Interesting name. They were an outfit out of Texas. Uh, they were uh, founded in 79 by a guy. Uh, now, as far as I could tell, this was a one-man operation, R.A. Arnstein. Okay, and I got this information because on Curtis's site as an author, he's got, there is no author. Moby backs that up. There's no one that is known as the author. But Curtis has Robert Arnstein as the likely author, all right? okay. which is possible. He may have some inside information. I looked to see what else Device Oriented Games had done to see if I could see this guy's like fingerprints on anything else. And the other stuff they did really is any nothing like this. And so that makes me wonder. They did a game called Pyramid 2000, which is a text game. They did a game called Bedlam, which is a very famous Coco text game about escaping from an insane asylum. I remember, I believe there's a uh, crazy Napoleon on the cover. I, I remember <laughs> the cover. I remember seeing it a million times. He did a couple other games, Haunted House, which I believe is another text game that was on the original uh, TRS-80, like Model 3 and whatnot, and then a game called Space War, which I think is uh, on the old TRS-80. That's all they've got listed for device-oriented games. None of those games are anything like this. Mm-hmm. And so it's. It, I, I looked around. I mean, if Curtis can't find the guy that wrote it, probably no one can, but I didn't see uh, any evidence as to who could have possibly wrote this. And it's, it's a shame, too, because they did such a good job Right. You know, it'd be nice to you know, it'd be nice to get my hand. One other little bit of trivia that I thought was amusing. Uh on Moby, they have a little trivia section and it's they mentioned that in the in, this game was in Spinal Tap, the movie Spinal Tap boat. Polaris was interesting. Yes, there's a scene and I vaguely recall this. There's a there's a there's a uh, scene where they're in the uh they're in, in the, the bus. bus, right? That's a, do you remember I've that? I've seen Spinal Tap a million times and I never for some reason, I always thought they were playing with an Atari. Like, I saw an Atari 800 in there. But I guess you're right. I guess in it's fact, hilarious. One of the guys, uh, David St. Hubbins, is at the front of the bus trying to escape with his girlfriend by saying, yeah, but they got the new game back there. 
thought I'd have a look at the new game. It's a submarine thing. <laughs> that's oh the, wow, yeah. That's, so that's there great. You go. That's, <laughs> there's your wacky bit of trivia for today. Uh, a very odd one. I looked at some reviews on this, and of course, these this is the kind of game that doesn't really get a proper review because they mm-hmm. in the old days they just sort of said, "Hey, this is good" or "It's crap." And the, I read two different area places that said they liked this game. So that's pretty much. As far as I'm concerned, that's positive press. Absolutely, uh, when it comes to Polaris, but but I have to say, um, we've played a lot of uh, of Coco cloned arcade games over the years, and God knows I've played a million. And uh, I would put this, if not at the top, near the top. I mean, granted, the game that it's uh, cloning is not as complicated as like a Donkey Kong or a Popeye, but. This is every bit as accurate. In fact, mm-hmm. I would I would go so far to say I've never I've never played a more arcade accurate version of Missile Command than this. Yeah. What do you I think? I think for the for the time period that it was released, this is this this would be it right here. Um, I agree. And it, it does make you wonder uh, about you know all of the other versions, including the official versions of Missile Command. You could have still controlled the reticle with the joystick. And, and yeah. opened up the keyboard to launch the missiles, you know, from each three. Now, that said, maybe, you know, I've never played the 5200 version of Missile Command. And maybe there was a special version because the, the 5200 controller had those, you know, it had the whole keypad on there. Uh, that might be worth checking out to see if you do get to launch from multiple silos. But I know for sure in the Atari 8-bit version, you just have the one silo that basically just keeps refilling I See, I was going to ask you about times. that because I, I don't think I've ever tried this on the eight bits. Yeah. So you're telling me they did not follow suit with the with the. Uh... No, no. Now I will say that graphically it destroys this version. Um, you know, uh, it, it looks much more like the real arcade game, but uh, control wise, this this has got to beat. It's got to beat. Yeah, I think it's a winner, but a big winner. All right. Well, uh, we thank you guys for listening to the Coco Show this week. We want to give a special shout out to our Coco Show VIP, Robert Murphy. And, of course, all of our Coco Show patrons, Edvin Helland, Steve Rasmussen, Buttons, and William Becker. If you want to uh, support the Coco Show, just check out uh, patreon.com slash the Coco Show. And uh, we're working towards a goal of making the Coco Show a weekly show. So if you'd like to make that happen, uh, we'd appreciate your support. Um, and Aaron, next uh, for the next episode, I've yeah, got so one here, but okay, I've already, I've already let's do it. You know, we haven't done it for a while. Let's get back into the racing genre. Oh, I like with it. something that we can actually do a little comparison on. I suggest we try Pit Stop 2, Boat. Oh, excellent, excellent choice. Pit Stop 2 will be the next episode of the Coco Show. Um, and uh, as always, well, well, most of the time, we'll record this show on a Saturday. Uh, make sure you just, just follow us, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. You can, uh, if you just be notified whenever we're streaming the show, it'll pop up. We weren't able to stream live this time, uh, but uh, we will in future episodes, and we'd love to have you in the chat with us. Uh, All right, that's going to do it. Until next time, all hail. El Curtis Boyle.